it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. We're live. Stephanie Veloso, you're here. You're in the building. You're pretty in pink, and you look fabulous. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for making this happen. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. I'm it's, excited to be here. It's super excited. And one thing I want to call out right in the beginning is I love that when we connected, you said, hey, let's get coffee. Yeah. The dying act, right? It's something that people just don't meet up enough. They don't just say hi and get to meet each other. And I just think that it's something so simple, but maybe it's because of the COVID world, but I love that. I mean, I think even pre-COVID, I think people don't speak to each other. People don't know how to sit or be with each other. They don't know how to even look at each other. You right. see people get so uncomfortable because we're so used to doing this on the phone that I think it's hard for people to kind of hold eye contact even. So for me, I'm very old school and i love to meet people face to face i feel like that's the only way you know if like you vibe and the fun like it's something i loved my first impression was you is that you're so comfortable in your skin you're just so <laughs> like you, you know who you are you you are such a kind friendly person and the vibes are strong <laughs> thank you i try i try i'm for sure uh i think very social uh creature and um yeah if you leave me alone i mean i'll, I'll talk to your bookshelf <laughs> 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 and I, I think a big piece of that and just from the low level of conversation that we've originally had was being able to, you've had a crazy life. Like yeah. you've been in it around it. Like you've probably <laughs> lived three or four lifetimes already. <laughs> yeah. And uh, most people haven't had the experiences you've had. No, it's true. I think if a cat has nine lives, I've already lived through a good four or five of them. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> That's gnarly. Yeah. And the experiences is everything. It's funny that experiences are what shape your human experience. Yes. Like most people that have gone through hardships or have gone through crazy ups and downs or adversity. Those are the type of people that have evolved, turned into just diamonds and strengthened their craft. But if everything's always easy, it's just you, you never face adversity. You just turn into a straight powder puff girl, you know? Yeah, I definitely think that, um, you know, it's their cliches for a reason. But I think that having obstacles and having adversity in your life and you know having things that you constantly need to overcome um those are the only way to really build character you know i think that for me some of my character definitely came from having two incredible parents with a lot of really great core values you know they're very old school um but everything else that shaped me was was the hands-on experiences it's like being in the field in the miami trenches and you were <laughs> born and raised miami i wasn't born here actually yeah. Where were you born again? A lot of people don't know that. So I was actually born in New York. Shout out. Uh-oh. The city? <laughs> in the city. I was born in the city. As much as I joke about transplants, technically I'm one. Um, but my parents are both 100% Brazilian. So I identify fully as a Brazilian gringa. That's, that's <laughs> a great title. And we're both uh, Albany, New Yorkers. So upstate New oh, York. Nice. Shout out. Okay. And uh, Brazilians party harder than anyone else I've ever met on this planet. And that's a fact. I, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the only people who have ever given my, you know, given me a run for my money have been maybe the Irish, possibly the British. But I mean, it's pretty close. <laughs> I remember I was in Meth Methune, Mass, Massachusetts, and there was this really okay. big uh, Brazilian population. And my friend invited yeah. me to this party he's like yeah yeah it's like a friend of a friend it's it's some four-year-old's birthday party okay and i'm like oh, that sounds some <laughs> sketchy thing i should not be invited to <laughs> and i pull up and it's like 200 people rager throwing this amazing backyard full you know the kebab they, the 
great food, great yeah. grilling, kebabs and say. all that stuff. <laughs> they were going ham. And yeah. I noticed like a lot of the older women, like like straight moms were raging. Yeah. You don't see that in just white culture. No, no, I do feel like it is a uniquely Brazilian thing. I think that something I love about my people and my culture is that everything seems to be a reason or cause for celebration. Um, And when you go to Brazil, if you ever get the chance to experience things like carnival, you know, festivals, things like that, um, you find that it's the one thing that no matter how polarized the country is and continues to become, it just unites everyone. You know, the richest of the rich, the poorest of the poor, the middle class, whoever you are, everyone just gets together to have a really great time and a really massive, massive party. Is that how you would define carnival? Just a really good time and a massive party? Yeah. And it's a spectacle too. Like I know it's very popular um, and it's very, you know, it's stereotypically supposed to be like these beautiful women in the bikinis and they're in the parades. And yes, that's a part of it. But I just, you know, the experience of it when you're in it, when you're really there, not when you're watching it is so immersive. There's just this energy Kind of like when you go to, um, I don't know, like going to a basketball game versus watching on TV. Right. Isn't there this like palpable energy that you feel or at a concert when you see somebody live? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's like the air is just vibrating. I would say that the most sport wise is baseball for that because baseball is just miserable to watch. But when you're there in person, I think it's way more exciting (laughs) because people around you and it's like, let's go. We just had a DJ M dot on the podcast. He's the DJ for the Miami for the heat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good energy. I love it. Yeah. He's um, I think he's a. uh, the successor for DJ Irie, my very good friend. I think they uh, they co-host yeah. it. Oh, they're working together now. Something like that. Oh, okay. I believe it says co-host on his bio. He referenced him as his mentor. DJ oh, okay. Irie. Yeah, I'm sure. Because Irie's from like my time. I'm kind of dating myself when I say that. But yeah, yeah. Irie was the OG of that. I remember Irie, not just even at the Heat Games, but he was always known for going to this club called Mansion, which was the hottest club in all of Miami back in the day. Like, all the celebrities were there. Leonardo DiCaprio, George Clooney, you know, Jay-Z was there, Fat Joe, like, everybody you can name. And I remember that right after the games, Irie would head there. He would get into the DJ booth, and he would just start taking back, at the time, it was Patron shots. Patron was the coolest. And he would just start just like DJing, going crazy. He'd like rip his shirt off and people loved it. He always got the crowd hype. People went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you were surrounded, you're surrounded by such crazy, uh, interesting people at such a young age. <laughs> yeah. Most people just don't have that experience. Yeah. How, think... would, how would you like describe something like that? Um, it's something that's unique. I mean, it feels uniquely Miami and I'm sure also a bit in LA that some of that was happening, but there's something about the energy in Miami that historically I think helped people really let their guard down. Right. So I'm about to be 35. So when I was 15, 18, 20, 21, and we went out, there was no iPhone. There was no social media. There was no really documenting it unless you had like your digital camera in your bag or in your pocket. So I think people were really able to let loose and have a good time. And people still socialized, like we said earlier. And so when celebrities would come here, um, you know, it's a humid tropical climate. So you're already in like vacation mentality and you would go into these clubs and you weren't really worried that somebody was going to kind of be recording you or, you know, taking pictures or video. Cause people there was just way more open and yeah. savage and less gated. Yeah. People were relaxed. So sometimes you would really get to the club like mansion or these other big places that were, you know, kind of super hot at the time. And you'd sit down and you'd like look over and you'd be like, Hey, move over. My friend's coming. And when you did a double take, you're like, Oh, 
you were literally shoving like Paris Hilton aside or whoever. And you're like, oh, okay, well, scoot over anyway, because my friend's going to sit here, you know, and that's just kind of how it was. And by the end of the night, you were friends with them. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's yeah. interesting, too, when you meet people and you find out that they're just people, right? And they're not just this name that they've built for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. I think um, I, I have been fortunate enough and sometimes just accidentally have become friends with people who are, quote unquote, somebody's and bold uh, boldface names. Um, but it's always been because I treated them exactly the way that I would treat Anybody else who was in that situation, whether it was a friend, whether it was the host, the promoter, the bus boy, you just, these are people, they cut, they bleed, they're, you know, born, they're going to die. And at the end of the day, I think, um, approaching a lot of them with that attitude helps them kind of meet you eye to eye. That's so true. Me and Sky were having a deep conversation the other day about death as, as, as bad as it sounds. And generally speaking, when you're by yourself and you think about sketchy things like that, it freaks mm-hmm. you out. But when you're with a group of people and you talk about crazy shit, you feel so much more comfortable talking about things. And the point of this is that I think people are just very we're supposed to be like social animals. Like we're supposed to be part of a tribe. And if you can meet people eye to eye, I mean, you can network and connect with anybody in this world, but you got to believe that there's something that you can offer. Yeah, I think, and I think, listen, and even if you can't offer something at a certain point, I think, um, if you just approach them from a place, like you say, not to get too woo woo, but a place of humanity and understanding that we're all just having this conversation, whether it is about death or about life, or I think common experiences that we can all share and relate to. Um, yeah, most people I think are going to chime in and say, Hey, you know what? I went through that too. I feel that way too. I'm scared to die or, Hey, I got bullied or, Hey, you know, I went through a weird, awkward phase in puberty. Like who hasn't gone through those experiences? So I think, yeah, to your point, if you can find a way to find a commonality and to offer something, um, maybe not even material, but just offer something to the conversation. I think people usually, usually will connect to that. Yeah, I agree. It's finding common ground about something that makes you human yeah. and not just being this thing that people think is, is what they want to be. And, and I just think that you need to put yourself out there at some level, which you've done such a good job doing. I love your brand. I promise the world that you will become like you're already on there up and up, but your path is just going straight up. Uh, And it's just great because you're so authentic. You're real, you're fun and you just, you, you enjoy yourself and people can see that. I mean, you're doing the roasts, you're doing, you're low key, a straight up comedian. I mean, how, how did you get to a point where you decided, you know what, I'm going to start building this brand? Um, it was an accident that in particular was never my original intention. Um, I have always had maybe some commentary or maybe too much commentary, whether it's going on in my head or whether it's literally me unable to stop it and and sharing my opinion at all times, sometimes to my detriment. That's always been a thing I've kind of had a quality, I guess. Um, but I was just having a conversation with a really good friend who's been around as long as I have, maybe a little longer. And she and I were talking about the scene and back in the day and what Miami was like and kind of comparing and contrasting to today. And while we were doing that, we started talking about, you know, a couple of the condos that were very notorious for parties or for shady Miami activities or for all sorts of other things. Um, And somewhere through that conversation, I don't know, we just found ourselves cracking up and my friend, you know, she said to me, she's like, why don't you just get on TikTok and say all this? And I'm like, no one's going to listen to me on TikTok. I'm old. Like TikTok is for 14 year olds doing dances and stuff. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know. Somehow she convinced me I did it. I went to sleep and 
literally the next day I woke up to like 10 texts from her and she's like, log on right now. And when I opened it, it had blown up. The first one. Yeah. The first one. The first one. That's I swear. That's amazing. So, um, that's kind of how it started. But I mean, prior to that, but that's a big lesson right there is that if you have something to say, say it. TikTok for sure is the play because their their algorithms crush it. And if you got good stuff and you make it fun, people will watch. Yeah, I think I think people will watch anything. I think, um, you know, I never do anything. I think in in, in, it with bad intentions. It's all kind of good natured when I roast people, obviously, and I always include myself in the joke and as part of the butt of the joke. Um, But I think that anytime that you can make people feel something and feel some type of way, maybe they are a little offended or maybe it hits too close to home. I think two things have happened. Um, Number one, you've done your job, right? You've said something that's real and true or else people wouldn't relate to it. They would kind of shove it aside. And really more than anything, I think that you've stirred something up in people. And I think that more than ever, people want to feel something that for good or for bad kind of leans more in a controversial direction well, sure. let's say you know people love the drama people <laughs> yeah. love the spark and the excitement i mean that's yeah. what sells and yeah. if you can do that on a galactic level now you're a media company yeah yeah no no really truly if you look at some people and how they've gotten where they've gotten i mean there's a gentleman that obviously got into the highest office in the land i think at least partially by stirring up controversy you know i mean you can't deny it for sure. Yeah. A king. King had it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think, the more uh, effed up society loves it, right? Like the yeah. Will Smith slap that yeah. blew life up. Yeah. People just went nuts over that. It became the number one sensation for the whole week until the next crazy yeah. thing comes out and then no one yeah. cares. And then everyone forgets. Right. But I think I actually was looking at the, um, the statistics or the ratings. I think that was the highest rated, uh, what is it? Oscars that they've had, I think since what? Was it Ricky Gerv- when Ricky Gervais maybe hosted? I'm not sure. Scott, was that the yeah. Oscars as well? This guy's checking. I think so. Ricky Gervais was so massive. Good. Love him. That was amazing. Love him. What one of my idols for you sure. You got really good like Ricky Gervais vibes. <laughs> that I think about it. Yeah, I would say he's definitely one of my favorite comedians. Um, a lot of people have informed my comedy. Again, I I don't want to be a stand up comedian, but I would say Ricky for sure. Obviously Chappelle, uh, George Carlin. Paul Mooney, uh, Phyllis Diller. I mean, there's so many people who have been so good. So you don't want to do stand up? No, no. I want to do more of like, almost like, do you remember Don Rickles? No. So Don Rickles, who's before even my time for sure. Um, he did do some stand up comedy, but he was also known for doing something that was like a very kind of an, a very elegant version of a roast back in like kind of like the Sinatra heydays back when you would go to a really nice dinner and you would kind of host the dinner, but you would also kind of give everyone a good ribbing. Um, so I kind of would want to do that. I just, I'm not sure if that could really exist in our climate anymore, you know, a fabulous roast. Yeah. No, everyone used to show up to these dinners and they would be like in tuxedos and the women would be wearing their best and their diamonds and whatever. And um, not just Don Rickles, there were a couple other people too, like Joey Adams was also uh, very, very famous at the time. And he was married to Cindy Adams, who is still alive. I believe she's 91 years old and she's still writing a regular gossip column for the New York Post, if I'm not mistaken. So her husband, Joey Adams, was known for doing this as well, just kind of roasting people. And I'm talking presidents. I'm talking like heads of state, like everybody, like A-list celebs. So I think that's so important that people need to be roasted and comedy needs yeah. to exist because it, it allows people to get alerted and, and have this like serotonin rush almost. Yeah. And what I mean is that 
I just recently saw this show called Absinthe in Las Vegas. Okay. My good friend Jordan Adler, the publisher of Beach Money, he's amazing. He said, you need to go to this show. It's the high, most highly rated show in, in Vegas. And you go, and they just roasted the audience. And it was hilarious. It was amazing. It was like, (laughs) I wish it was recorded and published as a Netflix series. Because a couple people, luckily I wasn't in it, but a couple people just got destroyed. But it was fun. It was in good humor and and everything. We need more of that. Yeah. No, I agree. I think um, in in this day and age, I know everyone talks about how much uh, fragility there is. But I think people are largely so oversensitive and offended at everything and looking for for reasons to to be a victim you know and to play into victimhood and I think that that's you know really killing comedy and there's people that say that that's not true but I think the thing about comedy to your point again was because it was a way of of saying something in a way that was funny and seems benign but really at the end of the day you know you could make a political statement you can make a, a statement about what's going on in society you can make a statement about you know the world at large about wars you found a way to do it in a uh or, or just bring some levity to something very serious, right? And you did it in a way where everybody could still feel included and everybody could sit back, laugh at themselves, but also have a moment of like, aha, wait, there's another layer to this. This person's really saying something. And I think that the only person who's really able to do that nowadays, I mean, really well is Chappelle. And even him, I mean, he's paying the price for it now. So I don't know. Life is way too crazy to not have comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it would just be a dark, not a fun place yeah. without comedy. Like, yeah. what, what would you, what are you gonna do if people just stopped making jokes about things? What I would you know. do on a day to day basis? How do you cope? How do you com? Yeah, how yeah. do you cope? How yeah. do you converse? How do you make friends? Like, how do you just Because when when you're like trash talking your friends, you're building a bond. You yes. Know? Yes. You know, that's just how it works. Like dudes, like good, like dudes are brutal to each other. Right. Yeah. But we, it's just like, it's part of the uncode language of like, it's, it's funny, but I feel like girls are more just like diabolical with it. I think girls are more sinister and it's something where people like always ask me, I do these Q and a sessions a lot on my stories. Like I did one today and people always keep bringing up this question to me. That's like, so I'm always like, what are you trying to get at? And they always ask me some version of, are you a girl's girl? Are you a feminist? Do you consider yourself a feminist? Like, what is it with you and groups of girls? And I'm like, dude, I'm not aligning myself broadly with any group. I don't care if it's women. I don't care if it's women under 40. I don't care if it's millennials. Like, I want to believe that I can think for myself, that I'm capable of critical thought. Um, and I don't want to... I, I just, I don't know how else to word it. I just, having well, blind allegiance to any cause doesn't right. work for me because ultimately the group think, I think finds a way to walk itself off of the cliff and I'm not following them off the cliff. For sure. You know what I mean? You can invent your own thing, your yeah. own group. It's not yeah. just two parties. Like yeah. everyone has, no. a, you can be somewhere, you can you be can. somewhere, but people want to put you into a cult, put you into a group. They always want to label you. Label. They want to put you into a box. And people like yeah. it. People like being a part of yeah. a group because it's nice, you know? Yeah. You, like, well, you feel safe, right? Because you feel like you're, you're, you're insulated by this group and they can protect you. So if you say something crazy, if you kind of throw the rock, you can kind of back in and, you know, just be protected by them. But I don't know. I think that's a little bit cowardly. I think sometimes the need to align yourself with a group constantly is a cowardly act. For sure. And the people that do that and mm-hmm. don't align themselves with a the group, 
It's scary at first, yeah. but then they become legendary, you know? Well, that's how you break the mold, isn't it? By definition and design, that's how you break the mold. You break away from the group. You break away from the standards that have been set or the expectations that are there or the things that have been done before. So I don't know. I'm always going to respect the person who dares to kind of break out on their own or try something risky, you know, instead of the person that's constantly playing it safe. I think you need to do more of that type of content. Like that's like you're, that's such a good, <laughs> ma- you explain that so well. When <laughs> that's you, the plan. When you go sure. through these roasts, it's like, man. Yeah. Yeah. But again, again, I always like to, I don't need, I don't need or want the cornerstone of everything I do to be the comedy, but I also always like to revert back to it because I think you're giving somebody, you know, a little bit of slap, but with a little bit of, what was the saying somebody used to say? I have to find it exactly and I don't know where I read it or saw it, but it was somebody making a joke and it was somebody in like a pimp costume or it was like a pimp joke. And you know something he used to always say, (laughs) this is so not PC, but he used to always say, I will always slap my bitches, but I do it with Neosporin on my hand. So I hurt them and I heal them at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And that is what comedy kind of needs to be pretty accurate you need to be the pimp okay you need to kind of like wake people up a little bit slap them around a bit but you know what you do it with a little hee at the end and they take it they just swallow the medicine a little bit better you know yeah yeah well everyone <laughs> loves it when it's not them right yeah. that's how yeah. the world works and that's shouldn't how it should be right it yeah. should be everyone it's a fair game everyone but the big thing that's interesting about people is that you can get 10 really good comments right 10 comments and then if there's 11th and that 11th is just like you're a piece of shit like go die yeah like the human brain just attaches itself to that yeah. one comment and then judges themselves on that one comment which is why it's interesting i mean a huge fan of joe rogan legend i, I love his podcast but Agreed. it's like to me comedians are some of the most just diamond-minded people on this planet because they put themselves in the most horrendous scenarios just getting mocked at and like you can't become a good comedian unless you just bomb many many times very true you have to take those risks that's the thing right you have to be willing to be that person who steps out on a limb you know like puts themselves on the line um there's actually you know what I, i always reference movies and quotes and stuff there is a line from the movie tombstone i don't know if you remember it with um the line i'm talking about is with val kilmer um, but it's a great cast and it's a great classic, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell, just amazing all-star cast. Anyway, um, there is a line where they're about to have like one of those shootouts, you know, so they used to like come to the middle of the town, the little tumbleweed is blowing by, you know, and they're going to get ready to do their little duel, like draw and like shoot. And, uh, there's a point where somebody doesn't want to fight and Val Kilmer, who's known as kind of like the troublemaker in their, in their Western gang comes out of the corner and he says, you know, I'll be your Huckleberry. Right. And he says it. And what does he mean when he says he says that he goes like, I'll be the one to put myself out and fight you. I'm the guy you're looking for. And I love that line because, again, I think it just goes back to what you're saying about Joe and all these people like these are the people that literally go out on stage night after night, whether you're the guy who's just starting in some janky dive bar or you're Joe Rogan in a freaking stadium that you've sold out night after night over and over. You really, I think, um, just put yourself out there to be mocked you can be jeered yeah. you can be booed off the stage at any point doesn't matter how big you get because again look at what's happening to you know dave Chappelle. he's getting a lot of like you know kind of like um uh not kickback what's the word i'm looking for but he's just getting a lot of taking yeah. a lot of heat for his commentary you know what i mean um but, but the, yet they it, show up for sure night and after night and they're developing calluses right like brain yes. calluses 
where oh, you're, that's a good one. you're brain over calluses. It, right? you know I, mean? I like that. Maybe that's what your next special is going to be called. Brain calluses. Marinate in the good energy. Have some fun. Crack some jokes. Live a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, take some shit along the way. No, and laugh at yourself. Like you said, sometimes you're the person falling in the pool or slipping or saying something, something stupid. I really, really think, you know... Um, and it can be referred to as a defense mechanism. And I'm sure a lot of us who are inherently funny have it. I'm sure you have it. We all do. I think all creatives have a little bit of this. But it's just um, if you're able to kind of make yourself the butt of the joke first, if you're able to get ahead of that joke or ahead of whatever you or somebody else sees that you, as some sort of shortcoming or flaw of yours, then you've already kind of won. Like nobody can read you if you've read yourself before you left the house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Damn. That's I'm sure awesome. you know. I'm sure I love it happens. That. I and, love that. You know, and I'm sure and and you know, even with you, I mean you're you're running a show that's about feeling good. It's the damn good day show. It's positive. And I'm sure that even you get people that are haters or leave you mean comments or just being trolls to you. But I liked what you mentioned with people that put themselves on the roasting block first are the ones that are invincible like Eminem and eight mile, right? That last line. If you want to get stoked to go out on a fun night or just like get ready, you listen to that eight mile speech. He just rips himself up. I forgot the line is like, I am white. I am a bum. I do sleep in a trailer with my mom. Like he just lets it out and then no one can roast him because he owns it. He owns. If you're bald, if you own being bald, it's cool. But you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, we're at the age now where a lot of my friends are getting like hair transplants because they're yeah. starting to lose hair and it's a huge buzzkill. Yeah. I mean, well, I found a couple gray hairs the other day and I wear extensions as everyone knows. So I'm like, listen, I'm like, but that's the thing. You have to be able to be open, honest, and you have to be able to laugh at it. Like literally to your point, Eminem went down essentially the list of it's almost like a docket in court. You know what I mean? It's all the charges being brought against them. And he addressed them one by one. What could be more empowering than taking back ownership of all of that by just saying, yeah, it's true. And what? Now what? Like, literally, you have nothing left to say against the man because he's aware of everything. He's called it out. And he's actually made it part of his art, which I think is something that, again, so many creatives do, whether you're a comedian, whether you're a sculptor, whether you're a painter. Some people use that insecurity or that pain or, you know, just other adversity, things that they've gone through in their life, and they turn it into profit, into an art, into a platform, and they turn it into their own success. And what could be more powerful than that? Nothing. And at the end of the day, it's you versus you. I think that's a big lesson that everyone needs to remember. It's so easy to get caught up in in seeing, for example, yourself and how instantly you're just having this insane success. I mean, it's not an instant. I mean, you've been through (laughs) decade plus of crazy experiences that have equipped you with the stories and the knowledge to be able to put out this riveting content that people are eating up. But most people aren't going to have that instant success. They're going to have to go through that awkward stage where they're not getting likes they're not getting comments and all that stuff. But the big thing to remember is it's you versus you, right? You have to be better than where you were last year. You have to be better than where you were the year before. Use other people as inspiration but don't use that as a thing to get negative about. No. You are unique. And if you put yourself out there and just start getting the shimmy in, people are going to find a fellow shimmier and it, your, your clan grows. And yeah. you get better over time, yeah. naturally. Like you were saying, everyone's on a different timeline. Everyone's doing things in, the, in their own way. Everyone's finding their own path. Um, and I think, again, it just goes back to my earlier point about not feeling the pressure to be part of a group and understanding that you know, some things are going to be unique to you. And by you striking out on your own and embracing your, you know, unique gift or your unique uh, timeline, whatever it may be, and being outspoken about that, you can not just help yourself, you can inspire other people to understand and to have the courage to do 
kind of like what you're doing, you know, or to find their own path. So, you know, I think, um, I think that you can do things in a way where you're benefiting your long term, but you're also helping other people who are going to come after you. You're kind of blazing the trail for them. You know, I I love that. And I feel it's so important to expose yourself to it Yeah, because that's the only way to find out. I love network marketing and direct sales and I'm a huge proponent of it. Like I've worked for companies. I have my own company. I work in network marketing and I got to say MLM has taught me more lessons than all those things combined for sure. Because you surround yourself with a bunch of people that believe things are possible and are going to support you. And it's not like weird to think that. And then you start meeting some jabronis that become absolute (laughs) success savages and you realize, no, maybe you were the jabroni all along. Yeah. You know? If you can get approached into the world, then then it, there's a chance for you to grow. But if you just never step out of your bubble, I yeah. think that's what happens to some people. They just never step out of their bubble. They start doing the same thing over and over. Years go by and they never try a new experience. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like a oak tree that has no sun yeah i think it's um i think a lot of it's fear you know and again it goes back to groupthink. it goes back to societal pressure i think a lot of people um you know or parental pressure even some people are expected to do something because you know mom and dad went to ivy league schools so now i have my option of these ivy league schools and you know dad was uh, in the medical field so i have to be in the medical field or you know all the women in my small town in you know wherever are all you know wearing such and such they have the same haircut they get married by a certain age they have kids with like whatever it is wherever there can be group pressure i think people are succumbing to it but again you know i think that our work as people is to constantly be fighting our fears and our fears once again to your point come in that battle of us versus us it's myself against myself that's ultimately and in the final analysis what i think life comes down to because you know again we are born alone we're we die alone you know we have this short little exciting little blip in the middle right and we have a small little chance and window to do what we can some of us get more time than others um But, you know, at the risk of sounding very kumbaya, I think that we do have a responsibility, if to no one else and nothing else but ourselves, to live as boldly and as well as we can, whatever that means to us. And each person has to define it for themselves. I'll drink to that. Cheers to that. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) That's everything. Yeah. And it also goes back to uh, friends connections people having good people in your life. Yeah. I love the, the reality that some one of my friends uh, one of my dad's friends was asking like what are tips to help you know her daughter make some more friends right it was just just making friends is is difficult for some people and that's totally okay Mm. and it's interesting though but to have a friend to be to have good friends you have to be a good friend yes right and you have to be willing to put yourself on the line to learn it's okay if you're a good friend and it comes back to haunt you yeah but don't be bitter about it yeah don't have any time for bitterness it's just there's there's too much good cool people like we i didn't even know you until i sent you a dm right through this stuff yeah and you're just the best i could just like i'm so grateful i met you and now we're friends look how easy that was here we are you know (laughs) anyone can do that anyone can build a brand anyone can build a platform and just start networking and meeting people and having good intentions and good things happen when you just put good people together. Yeah, well, well, that's it. That's what sticks out to me. I think it's it's two things you said, right? It's the good intentions. It's good people. It's taking that risk. But it's also about, um, I think one of the first things you said today, and it was just about like 
seeing what you can offer to people, right? And I was having this conversation with a very good friend of mine, um, someone you should probably talk to, Mark Magna. He is uh, the owner of um, The Anatomy, you know, the gyms. He's one of the main uh, partner owners. He's a tremendous athlete, a tremendous human being. Um, And I think when we were having a conversation not that long ago, um, I think he was asking me, he's kind of like, what was, what would your advice be to other people that are trying to make it or get anywhere? You know, what should they do? What's the first thing or first step they should take? And I'm like, well, for me... (laughs) and that's my ringtone (laughs) that's amazing um by the way ring back tones are making a a comeback i I was just we were just at the the store looking at boxes for cigars and the um I won't say his name, but he had a ringback tone of yeah. like Katy Perry. And I Katy was like, Perry. My, my man's like in his early, like late fifties, early sixties. <laughs> he's just shining. Remember when there was like voicemail, when you would call voicemails, were you from the era where you used to record part of a song and put it as your voicemail greeting? That's a little, <laughs> I just dated myself. I was just thinking like, I want to swing on a chandelier. <laughs> I think I tried to do that once. That's what people used to do back when I was like 13, 14, when I was a teenager, people used to literally get to the part where you could record your voicemail greeting. And instead of putting like a, Hey, you know, Stephanie, it's me. I can't get to the phone, leave a message, blah, 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 whatever. You would literally just record part of your favorite song. Do you remember your song you used on your MySpace? Like your first song? Let me think if I remember. I remember mine clearly. It was Austin Powers number one spot. And I had this whole like <laughs> Austin Powers theme, which probably was not conducive towards my like social society at the time. Oh my God. <laughs> but I thought it was the shit. Of course. You thought it was I super I was cool. the coolest. <laughs> oh well, like how you give Austin Powers the credit for that song. Isn't that ludicrous? But it's like yeah. Austin Powers. Well, association, like, right? The soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. It? It's like. <laughs> Oh, it was the remix. Oh, see with this. with Luda over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the oh, Luda yeah. song. But yeah, I mean it's fully Austin. <laughs> that also shows oh, you how old or how young you are, right? Because like for me, like the original Austin is like the original little song right, where he comes right. out dancing. And then there was also the Madonna version. Madonna did one for which movie was it? Was it the second one? Beautiful Stranger, with uh, Madonna. Beautiful Stranger. Yeah, and she did a music video with uh with Mike with Mike Myers obviously in costume, full blown Austin Powers. That was before the Luda one. I'm almost certain. What year was that? That was 1999, and the Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> wow, the Spy Who Shagged Me, legendary. I just took it, and Luda was probably like what, like 2006, <laughs> like 2009. Luda, love him. I cut I cut you off one 2004 time. was the Luda song. Yeah, there you I mean, go. that song. That's a pretty big gap. So. That song slaps. So that means I was like 13, 14. Yeah, 13, 14. Wait, how old are you now? 29. Fuck. Yeah. I'm 35. I'm like, eh. You look like you're like 21. Thank you. I'll accept that kindly. I wear a lot of sunscreen in this, you know. The Brazilians, you know, they, they well, age well. I think well, all a lot of South Americans generally, I think, age really well. I, I think, um, it, depending where we're from, right? Cause Brazil people tend to like, there's a stereotype that we worship the sun and a lot of us do me personally, not so much. Um, I actually hate the beach. I, I did used to go to the tanning salon a lot. I had a, a job. One of my first jobs was at a tanning salon. So, um, but I don't, uh, I don't know. I just know that somewhere along the way I became really obsessed with sunscreen 
and really obsessed with just staying out. I mean, I still drive with like a full visor on. You can't even see my face when I'm driving. People like look at me and they're like, what is she doing? What SPF do you use? Um, at least 50, never less than 50. Yeah, I feel you on that. Because yeah. being sunburned, like, I feel that's a huge step up to becoming an adult when you realize that SPF is your best friend. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, it truly is. And like, I mean, you can get into the whole, you know, tinfoil wear conspiracy theory thing about toxicity and stuff. But like, listen, I don't care. It can be toxic. It can be killing me. I'm going to be the best looking corpse at the funeral. All right. That's Ooh. all I know. I'm wearing my SPF. I don't, I don't need care any, what it's doing. I don't need any melanoma today. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, no, not like I am white. All right. <laughs> I am super white. Like <laughs> it is what it is. Do you tan at all or do you just burn? I just burn. You just burn, right? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. 30 yeah. minutes, no sunscreen. I'm getting burnt. You You're know? the skin type. What was this? I don't know if I can remember My anymore. My skin is not conducive towards towards being a, like uh, a flexible human because I just get eaten alive by bugs too. Oh, no. I got the best tasting skin and I just burn <laughs> quickly, you know? <laughs> You're like the Wagyu beef of skin types. You're in high demand by all oh the mosquitoes. Oh my gosh, if that was on a like... dating profile, I'd be, I'd be. <laughs> you should add that. You should add that to like your Hinge or your Tinder. Like... Maybe you can ad- adjust it for me. Let I'll me help know. You with yeah, that. Yeah, help me word that correctly. Oh my <laughs> could god. Could go, could go the wrong way. But you know, you got to attract the right people in your life. So you got to make sure you, you, you know, be who you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Which, which reminds me, what's up with dating apps? What do we think about dating apps? Uh, are they I necessary think, evil? I think I you go through, you know, I go through waves throughout my life with okay. dating apps. Is that like when you get into a dating app, you get super fired up about it. You're, mm-hmm. You have all this new energy and excitement. And <laughs> then, you know, you're starting, you go on some dates, you go, you don't do enough like background research and you go on like one or two bad dates and then you're just over it. You're like, this sucks. Dating apps suck. And then you just delete them. For, Wait, like, you actually get to the point where you actually go on the dates? Oh yeah, for that's sure. That's better than me. That's the point of it is to meet up with the person, right? Oh, is it? You're the problem. <laughs> Maybe the problem I'm the right problem. Yeah. No, because I feel like so many of my friends that I talk to, and one of my frustrations is sometimes you end up like you match with people, and so many. Okay, a few things happen. Let me back up. Let me back up the car. Number one, okay, you match, right? Let's just say you get that far. If you match with people, like I, as a girl, I'm still very old school in this. By the way, I should preface by saying. I'm progressive in a lot of ways, but when it comes to making the first move, I still believe like the guy should message the girl first or no. That's not weird. That's, that's not weird, right? That's standard practice. You don't agree? No, I I agree with that. I do. No, that's standard practice. (laughs) But like, but, but if you're, if you do like somebody, (laughs) I I don't see why you should wait for them to hit you up because that might never happen. I think in person, it's totally different than like on a dating app first of all but see that's already another conversation is it different in real life versus dating apps this is a different i heard something that i guess women in like old times they used to drop their handkerchief on purpose in front of someone and it was like their way of the guy would have to be like oh you know miss you dropped your handkerchief and he would like like come up to you yes that's a thing bring that back we should, what are you going to drop? <laughs> drop? I think in Miami, no, 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 yeah, in Miami, they like, in Miami, they drop their little baggie and then they yeah. never get anything back. <laughs> you drop your bag. Yeah. That's hilarious. Your extracurricular, uh, uh, uh fun bag. Let me put it that way. I know a bag you're talking about. I don't want to scandalize people. <laughs> no, but so going back to that, like, I still think that the guy should message me first. Like, I think maybe once or twice I've messaged him first, but okay. Then the next step becomes 
you start having a conversation. Well, right? the biggest thing is number one that I've learned is that like generally speaking, your time's valuable as an adult, your time's yeah. valuable and you don't have time to like F around as you, as you get older and give less Fs. Yeah. So you need to like, if you're going to do a dating app, you have to be, you have to be really in it. It's like, if I'm looking for a home, yeah. I'm only going to go on Zillow if I'm ready to buy a home. Otherwise, I'm just going to find myself on Zillow, just like putting out dream things all the time, just wasting okay, my time. Okay, I think I'm part of the problem because am I the only one that goes to Zillow and looks at all sorts of homes that are obscenely out of my price range, multi-million dollar mansions and just dreams? Like, no, literally, you're not alone. Like you're not alone. I've done it too, for sure. Because you're like, what if? What if I sell it all? There's, like a, there's actually a very popular TikTok. I forget who the user is, but he literally, it's like him on a computer and he's like eating potato chips and he's like staring at homes and like, you know, the double millions range, like 30 million to like 100 million with literally like $4 and six cents in my banking account. It's amazing. <laughs> Okay, so then. But some okay. people use that as dreaming. Some people use that as dream right. That that can be considered, you know, people that like manifesting. That's yeah. part of your uh, what's the collage board called? Like your manifesting uh, law of vision attraction. board. A vision, a vision board. board. That's like the law of attraction, right? So okay, but going back to the dating apps, like you start a conversation, but at some point, I feel like you end up just back and forth and then the guy doesn't ask for your number or you never take the conversation off of the dating app or texting. And I'm like, I don't need another pen pal. Like the whole point <laughs> is to go for like a drink or a dinner or a date, right. isn't it? Totally. So yeah, well, you're matching with some some dudes that aren't making the first. It's move, just crazy, though. and sometimes they will, but then it's just like the, again, they won't make the second move, I guess, which is really the first move, which is really just like let's get this number, let's go to dinner, go on a date, and let's like, you know, you yeah. gotta piss or get Well, the hard the thing butt. about messaging is it's its own art and science right like i don't know it i'm so bad at texting like i i'm just not I, my emoji game isn't as strong like i'm good in person <laughs> right like 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 meet up like let's vibe check and go from there but it, yeah some people just have the texting down I'm a really i think good i find that like my friends that grew up with with sisters too like are the best because they speak women that's true. I think that's definitely helpful. Like having women around, having women in the house, like for sure is going to help you have a little bit more right. game, let's say, or know how to speak to them more of a comfort level. But I for think sure. it's also a huge waste of time if you're just like, I don't know. So back to the point for dating apps, I've gone back and forth. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's sick, and I, but I've been off them for a while now and it's yeah. like, it's great. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I, I tried like two max and it just, it was a lot. I definitely was on Raya for a long time and Raya used to like mean something because you had to like apply for it or someone had to refer you. And like, I guess obviously the draw in the beginning was everyone wanted to be on there because all the celebrities and the models <laughs> were on Raya and now it's like a free for all. Uh, but did you get any celebrity dates on Raya? Did I get any celebrity? <laughs> Listen, I'll put it this Spill way. The tea. I definitely have more than a few conversations with some people that if I really wanted to be messy, <laughs> I could just press the little, I have a couple screenshots. Let's put it that way that I could just, Ooh. you know, send off to TMZ if I had to and just click some nukes drop the bomb some, some nukes some, some nukes, nukes in my back around. pocket yeah yeah the, the currency of 2022 yeah but but generally speaking as a rule i i am not fond of um i wouldn't i would never say never but since i've already gone down the celebrity route i would not prefer a celebrity uh right. relationship at this point i just want a a normal private citizen <laughs> private citizen yeah. what's a uh, why would you choose a, a regular citizen over a celebrity? What's just too um, much spotlight on you? There's a lot. I, I there there's a lot of heat on you, but even just the, the the attention or the heat not being being there or not being there, 
Um, I am a person that likes to keep relationships private, no matter who you're dating, because I think the second you let too many people in, you start to ruin things. I think it's good to just protect a little bit what you have. So I'm never the like, let's shout it from the rooftop types. But what happens with celebrities, it's, it's like a multi-layered thing, right? Like you have this person that usually by nature is just very neurotic, you know, has like an ego that's usually through the roof. And that ego needs a lot of coddling, you know, that ego needs a lot of, uh, you're essentially, you become a mix of an assistant and a hype man, or in my case, a hype woman for this person. Um, and usually you're always going to be playing second fiddle to their career, to their, their, their public, um, got it. You're almost like living in the shadow. You're going to live in their shadow and you're just, and here's the thing. You could always play second fiddle. You could be with a very powerful person or busy person, but I think that there's something that's uh, unique to celebrity culture where it's just so easy for them to make that excuse when they're dating you like, Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to see this person. Oh, I have to be out. And then by the, the, you know, the other flip side of that, if they are being, uh, let's just say unfaithful, usually you find out in the most public of ways and you can't take that L privately. Yeah. If you're dating a regular person, like, yeah, maybe your social circle knows, but you don't have to like go to the supermarket and see on the cover of something or in our case, sorry to date myself. You don't have to open Instagram and see it on a gossip page. You know, there's gotta be something, something healthy about dating yourself though. If you enjoyed spending time with yourself. You're sort of dating yourself at some level. Oh, being alone. Oh, I love being alone. I listen. I'm the one person I know and the one woman I know in my age range that I feel like doesn't have that pressure or at least I'm not putting that pressure on myself to be married, to have kids, anything. I'm very family oriented. My parents have been together more than 40 years. They're ultra, ultra happy, happily married, old school. Um, and I come from just a great family, just unit in general. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm really happy by myself. Like I don't feel the desperate need. I feel like anybody who's going to come into my life now has to be at my level in terms of matching my energy and ambition, right. um, my level of honesty, um, I don't know. They just have to be adding to what I have going on. Right. So if they're not going to add to that, they can stay or they can go. Yeah. Like yeah. true, true partner in crime. Yes. Yes. True Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. And also just having their life too. I think the most healthy thing in a relationship is actually two people having their own thing going on for sure and not being attached at the hip. That's like the most, that's where I've seen a lot of my friends relationships fail. And I guess yeah. I like, if you're not with somebody that has their own life, then your life's going to become their life. Yeah. And at some level, I just think that's not good. If you don't, if people don't have hobbies, just generally the outside of relationships, if you don't have hobbies, like what do you do during the day? No. Like, Besides getting everyone else's hobby, you know? Well, that's the thing. You start to look for problems and I think you start to find them where there are none. You know what I mean? And I think, um, I think you just have nothing else left to really talk about. Yeah. And I think like going back to the whole point, something that I've, I've learned and why I'm definitely off dating apps now is just because. When you're looking for it, you don't find it. So my thing is, is go about life, do your thing. And if a great thing comes through, then, then go with the vibe, but it will happen. There's so many people in this world. So if you just build you, you build your goals, you build your own personal dreams. Like you're saying, you're yeah. happy being with yourself. Good shit's going to come. It's, it's yeah. inevitable, right? Here's the point I want to make. I think that ironically enough, when you look too hard for good things, they don't come to you. When you look for problems, they're so easy to find. Yeah, I don't know true. why life works that way, well, but it does. It takes like <laughs> so long to build your reputation and yeah. one bad 
tweet or experience to kill it. Oh, it can bring the whole house down. Social media has given us a lot, right? It's given us the ability to connect with grandma. She could live in China. She could live in Europe. You can speak to her. You can FaceTime her. You can share pictures. You can be on Facebook. You can be on Instagram. There's so many ways to connect because of social media. But I think with that, um, there's been a bit of a burden and a bit of a curse, which is now all of a sudden we have too much information and we have too much access. And I think that that's done two things, right? It's made us more disconnected than ever. Like we said earlier, I think it's made it harder for people to connect on a personal level in real life. It gets harder. I think there's a, a, I think there's been a a rise in social anxiety. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what the statistics are, but I think I've read over and over that it's happening. And the other thing it's done is it's kind of made you know a little too much about people that maybe against your will, by the way, that you never wanted to know if you have your neighbor now on Facebook, let's just say, right. Or on Instagram, they could be posting anything. They could be posting their bikini pictures. They can be posting their political ideas. They can be posting their dog. And, you know, I think it's all very, very innocent and fun until it's not. Until something happens, you read something and you decide now, I don't like this person because, you know, I'm a conservative and my neighbor's a liberal or I am a dog person and my neighbor, you know, likes to go out and hunt animals. And I think that that's very cruel. And all of a sudden, I think what happens is most people continue to not address that conversation or even approach or broach that conversation in person, they just create this imaginary war with this person, this imaginary fight with this person where they're like, oh my God, they're a hunter. I'm a dog person. They're a hunter. I'm a dog person. Now you like avoid them when you see them in the driveway, when they're going to get the newspaper, you think that they, you make all these assumptions about their morals and their yeah. lives And all of a sudden you see people that are doing things. um, I don't know. Maybe you're calling in, you know, code violations now on this neighbor because you've made a story in your mind that this person is now your enemy because you don't believe something. I could have gone my whole life without knowing what my neighbor believes, who they sleep with, what they do, what their pronouns are. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. And I think that, you know, maybe there is a case to be made for either logging off of social media or deleting it or never getting on it in the first place so that you don't uh, put yourself into these, um, I don't know. It's like, well, it's like, it's like you wouldn't say these things to someone face to face. Never. And so you would have maybe never had that conversation. Don't say something someone's behind their back if you wouldn't say it to them face to face. Well, that's face. the thing. I don't think they're even saying them behind their back sometimes. I think that people are just creating these things all in their heads. That's true. They're creating ghosts, right? They're creating things that never really happened. It doesn't have to be a problem. And you probably would have never had a problem with that neighbor if you hadn't known this benign fact Yeah, about I mean, them, it's scary. You know? Like the attack on Joe Rogan is like huge. Like, yeah. And everything yeah. went after him. Like that's crazy yeah. that that exists. Like yeah. people can really bend the no. bend the conversation and and, and and i think that you know again going back to the neighbor the neighbor might post a nude or your coworker might post something that you think is salacious you can send that to hr and you can actually get somebody fired right you can literally sure. cost them their livelihood and i think that that's a little bit you know i i don't know how they're going to eventually police that or how they're going to police the internet without also censoring it but something eventually has to come about something has to change because i just think that uh, too much is being shared and there's too much word vomit being just yelled at each other and into the void um, unchecked. And I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't have the solution, but something will have to be done eventually. You ever like look at your friends and realize like, cause you, I don't realize like I'm getting older, but when I look at my friends, I realize they're getting older and yeah. I'm like, Whoa, shit. Time is going quick, y'all. Stop the hate. It's a damn good day to have a damn good day. Like, enjoy (laughs) yourself. Find a good group. Build a brand. 
build a business, build something that makes you feel good. You know, yeah, get outside, get some sunshine, get some vitamin D, like go, go SPF for a 50, just SPF uh, 50, just but you know what, get outside, over, you know? but seriously do something. If you listen, if the choice always comes down to doing something positive or negative, choose the positive again, hate to be kumbaya, but it's the truth. You're never, ever going to feel better after doing the horrible thing ever. Well, it's I like hate, you ultimately. hating someone yeah. hurts you, not the other person. Of course. You know, it's a grudge and it's some bullshit. And again, a lot of times it's an imaginary fight that you're going to hold on to. And sometimes if you talk to the person, you realize that they're not even as bad as you thought. They're actually human. You know what I mean? And you guys actually, usually people will have more in common than they will not, you know, than otherwise. So I just think, again, uh, the solution for me always goes back to having the dialogue, starting the conversation, meeting the person, going for the cup of coffee. You know, you never know. Just find that common ground. And then the relationship blossoms. How it goes. <laughs> we got to forgive ourselves too, though. Like yeah. what you did yesterday is not who you are today. You have to live and you yeah. learn and you move forward, which is so much easier said than done. Like sometimes I say stuff that sounds really motivational and I don't follow it. I'm just like, I'll, I'll beat myself up. Right. But sometimes you need to ask yourself, like, have you ever noticed you give the best advice to your friends, but sometimes mm-hmm. you can't give the same advice to yourself? Those who, what is it? Can't do teach. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, listen, we're all human and we're all flawed and we're all, I think, not all of us, but most of us are doing the best that we can. For sure. Right? Usually. Most of the time. I want to believe that. I have to believe that. Um, so, yeah, of course you're going to stumble. Of course you're going to fuck up, you know, um, in life, in your choices, in your business, in your the pursuit of your dreams. But again, it's what we talked about earlier. I think that that's the adversity that helps to build your character and to make you realize that you are more resilient than you think you are, you know? So... Yeah, you got to build build that tribe. If you forget it, you got to have the tribe. You got to have your yeah. besties on speed dial. Everyone yeah. needs like a certain, everyone needs a certain couple of friends. You need yeah. your inspirational friend that's going to get you back on track. You need your really, really trashy friend that's just living a life that you're not living, but you like to live vicariously through them. The party friend. We love right? them. They, they're the best, right? And you yeah. can, and you can do that. Um, and everyone just needs like someone who can comfort you, right? Like you need yeah. to have the Rolodex of just people in your life so that you can have these experiences and, uh, and just constantly just get different perspectives on what's possible. Yeah. I, again. And I think that that comes from opening up that dialogue, right? Like you don't have to have 50 friends, you know, if you just have those, that good small circle that you keep around you of three or four people, like you're good. That's what you need. And if you're lucky enough, also, hopefully you have a couple family members, mm-hmm. but if you just have quality around you people you know that are not afraid to tell you the truth to also call you out on your shit whether it's because you're fucking up or whether because you're selling yourself short and you could be doing better if you have that you're good you've made it you know that's all you really need that's it yeah everyone just needs a sky (laughs) sky calls me out of my shit all the time hell yeah yeah (laughs) keeps this going right keeps it going makes the train go yeah and uh it's awesome it's awesome that uh, all of this is possible. And it's awesome that like, I just love how into it we just got. Yeah. And it's great when you just look at the timeline of events, which why I think everyone should start podcasts. Everyone should yes. start blogging. Everyone should start a TikTok, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Substack, because, Twitter, whatever appeals to you. Because like literally you. if whatever you're interested in, if you're into Legos, if you're into spear yeah. fishing, if you're into like sunglasses, yeah. if you start posting about it. You'll attract other people who are into it. And then you can leverage that to do cool shit inside of that brand you're into. It's not rocket science, but you start today. You don't need to have the way to monetize or build or any of that. You just got to start today. You got to be approachable. 
because our online profiles are what people first judge us from. It's not who we are, right? Mm -hmm. So even if it's your dating app all the way to your Instagram and <laughs> yeah. sending a DM to someone, like you need yeah. to look as if you're not wasting that person's time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, no, no. I really, listen, I think um, we have so many tools at our fingertips. I think if we utilize them well, and with discernment, they're honestly, the sky is the limit. I mean, as you've seen, we're both kind of, I think, forging careers in the online space. Um, and to your point, you just have to find your niche, find your corner, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Substack, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, it doesn't matter. There definitely is a space for you um, and for us all. And I think that that is going to be the way of the future, whether we like it or not. So as long as it's working, we might as well, you know, get on the train and and, and get with the program. Um but yeah, there, there can be a lot of positive benefits to it and you can really market yourself in a way that you never could before and you can really access anybody in any corner of the world. Um, you just got to find your thing, start small, take that first step and then take the one after and after and after and at one point you're going to look back and be like, holy shit, I built this all and it started with this. I mean, in my case, a weird video about condos, but hey, whatever, however you get there. And yeah. you got to keep putting some spice on yeah. that, but you, you got to put some gasoline on that spice because yeah. I'm buying what you are cooking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying. We'll see. We'll see. I got some new stuff uh, coming out soon. I'm definitely leaning more into the, um, a little bit more into the reviews as well. And I'm trying to offer like a yeah, variety like, of know, things. You know, all the spots for yeah. food. So like is, when you, do you cook at home? Do you ever cook for yourself? I, if I have to, I will. I have to say it's not a particularly relaxing activity for me. I do it, but I, I'm, I get so, uh, I'm such a perfectionist. I get so caught up in wanting it to be perfect that I, I never really relax when I do What's it. What's your go-to dish? Um, I'll tell you the thing that I do that's always a crowd pleaser and I will always make when people come over. There is a Cipriani pasta. Uh, it's a recipe I found online. You have to buy the Cipriani pasta to do it. Uh, it definitely makes a difference, but I put a little bit of cream in there. I use some really top notch, uh, truffle butter, um, and a couple other secret ingredients, but it's delicious. And I mean, once I put it on the table, all I hear is like forks clanging on plates and nothing's ever left behind. So yeah, cause that's my signature Cause your dish. palate has been spoiled. You go to the best places. I mean, I, you, eat, you eat the bombest food. I try. I try. I definitely, somebody today in my Q and A asked me if I could be any superhero or have a new superpower, what would I want? And I'm like, I would want to be able to eat all of the things, all of the good things, all of the greasy things, all of the yummy things and never gain a pound. That's the only superpower I want. That's a great superpower. Yeah. I love that question. I've asked that question too. Like what, which what, one would you have? Wait, what would you have? Or what superhero would you probably pizza? I mean, if that I would could, be your superpower? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, if I could eat any food. Oh, anything forever. Forever, yeah. And just oh. never like here's a question. If you could eat anything, never get full or fat, what would it be? I could only pick the one thing. Yeah, just one dish. Shit. That or like like a fresh like my mom's apple pie is fire. Like that I could just oh, my I could mom's just cooking. Smash that all day. Yeah, like, my mom is a phenomenal cook. And baker, which are two different things, by the way. Baking, I don't know how much you know about baking, but baking is literally a science because, you know, if the measurements aren't right, if the temperature isn't right, if one thing's off, it's not the place to get experimental. Like the cake won't rise, the bread won't work, like whatever. I would say anything my mom would make, I would eat for from now until the end of time. It's all my happy food. If my mom puts it onto a plate or it comes out of my mom's oven, that's it. I'm happy. What's it? What is it? It depends. It could be anything. I can't just pick the, just one thing. Question. That's the I question. Mean, if I really had to pick, I would say the comfort food, like the Brazilian food, like she'll make, she makes, she makes, 
Okay, while I would say her pão de queijo. Okay, I'll pick one thing, and it was really hard to pick. Brazilian pão de queijo, which is like a Brazilian cheese roll. So my mom is from the state of Minas in Brazil, more specifically Belo Horizonte, and the state of Minas is known for doing the mineiro, the pão de queijo mineiro, which is the most famous style. So it's almost like for Americans, um, you know how there's New York pizza and yeah. Chicago pizza and they're different. And then there's like wars over who makes the best Chicago deep dish and the best New York slice. So of all the Brazilian pão de queijo, like the one from my mom's state is known for being the best. And my mom's personally, I mean, maybe I'm a little biased, but Does I don't she think live so. in Miami? She lives in Miami. Please. <laughs> Please let me come. Listen, I will might. be the. I clean up. Like, listen, I'm you like. You guys might have to. I just clean come up over. after. You know, like I'm a, I'm a great guest. I mean, bring the wine. my mom loves to host, so you can bring her some. I'll tell you what she likes to drink. I mean, maybe we'll just host the next one. That would be a good at my mom's be house. Good energy. I, I'm not even kidding. She would do that, and she would love that. Would that would be so much fun. Well, you're yeah. going to be launching and doing your own podcast, so yes, that's, I am. That's we might as well. That's appropriate. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and listen, by the way, that's the only thing I originally intended to do. And I think we talked about this the other day over coffee. I was never trying to even do the funny videos. I originally was only trying to do a podcast because I have been extremely fortunate and lucky to meet a lot of just really interesting, successful, cool, fun people from all walks of life, whether it's, you know, a local artist to, you know, XYZ, top of the food chain, you know, bold face name. Um, and I just want to have some cool conversations with them a lot like the one we're having now. So, Hell yeah. I mean, if there's only one thing you have to promise me, I will trade you my mom's bungee gizu, but you have to promise me that you'll be one of my first guests. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. It would be an honor. Yay. Okay. Perfect. It would be an honor. And perfect. one thing, one thing I would add to that dish, by the way, med jewel dates. Have you ever had them? Med, I love dates. They're the best things like I've been obsessed. I've been pounding medjool dates. You know what I love? Uh, I love <laughs> bacon wrapped dates with goat cheese. That's a thing. That is a thing. I used to have that at this restaurant. I'm trying to remember the name. It's not open anymore in Miami. Uh, oh, I know who's, who does a good one. South Miami. There's a restaurant called Whisk. Whisk. In South Miami. Whisk in South Miami. I hope they still have it on the menu. Are you checking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, mm. uh, well, we're thinking. I'm whisked. I, I want to be able whisk. to see, like a, you know, like a an actual whisk, uh, like the baking tool. Or whatever. That'd be a great like Amazon whisk. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's a great name. It's so funny how like companies just take an an like an object or a place and just. And it's just their brand. Patagonia. It's that's my brand. Yeah. Boom. And they have so another thing that they have that I used to love too. I hope it's still on the menu. Wait, the, what was there? what was I looking for? The- their bacon wrapped dates. Is that like a brunch thing, you think? No, no, no. It's definitely on the like lunch or, or dinner menu. Do they have uh, seeds in them, the dates? They, they don't. Do. I don't think that. No, they're, they're pitted. They they're pit pitted. them. But they also have really good deep fried green tomatoes that are served with a homemade buttermilk sauce. No, I'm just getting hungry, but. Well, I'm I, looking I, at this menu. I'm so hungry right that's now. That's crazy. <laughs> I just like oh date, dates just by themselves though. Like it has to be yeah. medjool and it can't be pit, like pre-pitted. Okay. You got to get the medjool dates, go to like Whole Foods and just get like, okay. it comes to like 15. Yeah. I think just because they're. You, you know, just like, snack on them? You like to just snack on them like by themselves? Oh my God. Oh my God. I just would pound these things. They're it like, sounds like, a, like, it's almost like a pregnancy craving. You know how women get pregnant and they're like, I need is. to have that thing. It like, is. Well, I've been on this like health kick and it's been working. You know, my body's okay. crushing. I feel great. I haven't been eating like brown. I haven't been eating a lot of uh, gluten and, and oh, that's good. like just stop blueberry muffins. Oh my God. I love blueberry muffins. I love blueberry muffins. I haven't had a blueberry muffin in two and a half months. You know what my favorite is though? More than blueberry muffins. And I do love blueberry, uh, lemon poppy seed. 
Mm, that's a good one. And so it doesn't good. look like they serve these dates anymore. They don't have them? I don't. I don't oh, see my God. Them. I have to find somebody who still makes them or I'm just going to find the recipe and we're going to have to make it ourselves. I don't know. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're just incredible. It's incredible that the world just the, eating fruits and stuff that the world just grows. Yeah. I mean, Medjool dates are nature's candy besides yeah. Miami mangoes. I mean, they're right up there. OK, I'm going to say something really probably the most controversial thing I can say on this entire that's fine. You don't like interview. Um, it's more than that. I have a near phobia of mangoes. I hate mangoes. I don't know what happened. My parents love them. My parents have a mango tree. Everyone I know loves them. I've never met anyone who doesn't even, I don't, don't even know someone who dislikes them mildly. I hate mangoes. Oh, that sucks. I'm like sorry. if there's too many, ma- like I will run, like don't touch me with like, it's weird. It's a very weird thing. Oh, what no, does that stem I- from? I don't know. And I was talking to my mom and I was like, mom, like whatever happened? Did I like get in trouble? Did you like lock me in the timeout room with mangoes? Like, did something happen? Did you like beat me with the flip flop and then feed me a mango? Like there's a weird Pavlovian like response. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just like, mang- I, I have to maybe talk to my therapist and see, maybe that's our next session. I'll be like, listen, everything else is great. Uh, her name is Eileen, by the way. Shout out to Eileen. Shout out Eileen. She's incredible. Best therapist in Miami. I'm going to be like, Eileen, we need to get to the root of my mango. What is a mango? phobia is there like a name for fruit phobia let's check it what, what other like weird phobias do you have what what things am i irrationally afraid of fructophobia fructophobia is the fear of fruits so i have a mango specific fructophobia i like I think that. one of my weirdest like what's one of yours my weirdest things is like uh, this is ridiculous but i <laughs> The, like the, the worst taste like I've ever tasted is when like I don't, I don't know why anyone's ever doing this but like if you ever bitten down on like <laughs> it is I don't know why you're doing it, but again jeans like that like the, the jean taste of texture, denim the taste of denim is to me like just the most horrendous like just like brings this oh, I'm not wearing denim this I can't negative trap like I'm just like stop so you, you've taken a bite of some jeans before? <laughs> Is that what you're telling yeah, us? Taking you've taken a... <laughs> well, it's cotton, right? That's basically well, what they're made of. So. Like this before, you know? Like, either it's a jean jacket I'm gonna or lick like that. A, I'm going to lick a it's pair of jeans when I get home. Yeah, you're just like, what the... F- what is like stop really Make it stop that's very like, interesting i, I, I wonder know. what the psychology behind again I, i'm always very curious about the psychology behind things you know when i was younger i swore i was going to be one so i'm always curious about what but that it's also interesting from. too when you think of something and it invokes an emotion such from, a visceral response like like for your taste buds yeah. for me it's sour patch kids if i think of a sour patch kid I what do you immediately think of I just feel no, no. I don't. It's think like the. It's my, like I saw salivating. Those, I'm just like I'm like. Yeah, that's a Pavlovian response, right? Yeah. So Pavlov did that experiment with dogs where he would always. Um, uh, I think he would uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the gist of the story is he would put a steak into their bowl and he would ring a bell and he did this over and over. I think you can check. I'm, I'm almost positive. I'm. I you know. This was like Psych 101 when I was still in high school. And uh, what he did is eventually he wouldn't have to place the steak into his bowl. He would just ring the bell and the dog would start to visibly salivate. Yeah, this the is dog a- salivates when it sees steak and hears the sound of the bell. After a while, the dog, who before only salivated when they saw or ate food, began to salivate when the bell was rung. Yep, that's how you condition people. That's like some basic conditioning right there, psychological just manipulation. Sure. And that's why it goes back to the mango. I'm telling you, I must have like gotten my ass beat on the playground that day yeah. and came home and ate mango. Maybe there was a mango tree nearby. Listen, it's cool. Mangoes aren't even that tight. Oh, you so know don't what? Worry about I'll it. tell you another weird one. I'll tell you one. I adore, 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 love, love, love a great olive oil. If it's a really good one and I'm very picky about my olive oil, I can probably just stop just shy of like 
dipping a straw into it and drinking it or just like mainlining it. I hate olives. I don't eat olives themselves. I agree. I don't like olives either. You don't? Do you no, like olives? But I love olive I, oil. I can eat a few olives, but yeah, like three or four or five. But, but like, then I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, something But what's weird the context? Happens. Are you having them because you're having like a martini, a drink? Is it at the bar with something? Is I was, it like, uh, it I was eating like them with ass, cheese, so. you know? Okay. Like but, stuffed olives. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Just yeah. olives, yeah. but like a black olive is just like, what's going on? I here? like black <laughs> olives over green olives. Green olives are like, yeah, I can't do those. I mean, they, I think they look the, like an eyeball. I don't know. It's like they don't even look. Good. I don't even care visually about them. They don't. The texture doesn't bother me. The visual doesn't. But something in their actual flavor, it's just so strong. And like the, I think the only time I eat them is sometimes when you chop small pieces of them into um, Brazilian. We call it pastel, but pastel is like almost like a Brazilian empanada. It's a little bit bigger and like totally deep fried. It's not baked. Yeah, yeah. My mom might have to make us some of those too. Brazilian <laughs> empanada. Oh my god. But yeah, sometimes when you do you do them with like um, minced meat, you you also put uh, a little bit of like little pieces of chopped olive in there too. Very good, good oh, stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I think fire. we need to eat after we're this. We're big, we're big hunt like big honey people here. <laughs> oh, honey, we love honey. Here. I love a great. We've honey. We've been trying all these different brands to try to like find the best yeah. honey. Okay, and, and like, we just read like so. Skies, you're, you're the you're the architect of this, but like just been eating like really hi, like high quality steaks and just putting just butter and honey because mm. it's oh, basically. So good. I mean, they were yeah. eating that two hundred years ago, right? Yeah. Like that was that's yeah. OG meal. Yeah. There's something just amazing about Well, honey was used that. as an antibacterial, is it not? Still, yeah, yeah. There was I think it was I don't know if it was the Egyptians or post that, but there was a point where people were using them. I think to dress wounds. Or treat wounds, something like that. Antibacterial yeah. activity, enzymatic Don't production. Don't be telling Sky that he's gonna yeah. be. I'll be oh yeah, he's gonna be honey. Like, oh just, yeah, he's gonna be. Like, <laughs> <you're> gonna be <laughs> they did it. <laughs> Antifungal. This is it's great. an antifungal. Yes, uh, yes. People went from Tide Pods to just rubbing honey all over. Honey has <laughs> great. You know, it's great. It's great for some people. Kind of mix into their skincare. I mean, why not? With the olive oil thing, did you find like the best olive oil? Is there? Like, I mean. I will say this. I'm very upset because Whole Foods under their 365 brand, their generic brand used to have, they have several olive oils that come from, and they're like by, by country or region, right? So it'll say, no, I think it's by country, not by region. So it's like Greece, Italy, so and so and so forth. They used to have one that was from Chile and I loved it because it had almost like a very spicy, kind of like a bite on the finish and I love anything spicy and I was obsessed with it. It was well-priced. It came in this huge, you know, glass and then they just discontinued it. Poof, from one day to the next. I'll never it's get crazy. over it. I mean, olive oil, it's it's run by the gangs, right? Like it's like a really um, I've heard something like that that the mafia definitely takes a cut in um in Italy. Specifically, I've heard that. I don't know about elsewhere. And almonds as well, I think. Almonds are also Well, they have the almond trees, they have the Let's see. Let's get the fact check. The <laughs> that... shocking truth about Italian olive oil in the mafia. mafia. Oh. When the mafia just moved from like, you know, whacking people to just straight farming, like that. Oh, they're they... they're still whacking people, I'm sure. You know, they're for sure. They're just <laughs> They've got their hands in all the pies, right? I think someone was telling me something about the the lake in las vegas it's like historically low right now in water which makes sense global warming's real all those things and who knows what's going on the with lake that. in las vegas when i think of las vegas i think of the desert and all the bodies that are out that's there. what i'm thinking right yeah. but they're finding a lot of bodies that are like coming up from like oh. gangster eras in oh, the sure. waters around that area i have I to was check which lake it is or whatever or air body of water but oh for sure no that for sure happens i know because that's that's the thing with the desert there it's also known for um just being the i guess the uh 
the not even the hiding place. It's not really a hiding place. It's just kind of like a mass grave. Like that's just where they used to just dump yeah, people. Random thought, but thank gosh we don't live in like the Salem witch trial era. <laughs> don't we? Ooh. I mean, just like <laughs> Don't we though? Don't we though? That it's, would be it's a giving good, Salem. It's giving would, McCarthyism. That would be a great like title as well. Like this, Well, that's what the um like why you, you should name your show the Salem Witch Trial. Maybe maybe I should or the or, Miami Witch Trial. Well, well, the book, you know, The Crucible was written kind of as an allegory or as a as a larger metaphor for what was going on during, you know, the McCarthy trials. That's exactly what it was. And again, it goes back to my point earlier about how we can use art or comedy or other things to make a deeper statement. And you're doing it while you're entertaining people. When people stop and read between the lines or they stop and they think and they're like, oh, shit, this is us right now. You know, history has this very funny way of repeating itself. You know, there's there's always kind of an exodus, right? Everyone left. The Puritans kind of, you know, broke away. They come to the colonies. And how long? How long did it take before the um, the infighting in the group, you know, happened all over again? And people were crucifying, you know, each other for whatever it was, whatever the petty rivalries really were, right? We know it wasn't really witchcraft. It was like, oh, you know, this girl looked at my husband. All right, she's a witch. Point at her. Oh, this guy has more property than me. He's a witch. You know, crucify him. But um, when we look, really look back at those parallels, I mean, is it any different now? We're canceling people. We're quite literally we're we're doing the modern day version of of burning the Salem witch trials. We're burning them at the proverbial stake. We're taking their jobs. We're taking their careers. People are losing sponsorships. And hey, for good or for bad, I'm just asking: Should people always have this much power? You know, there there has to be a balance. You can't completely give your power away. But how much should a group have before it becomes abusive? Right. You know, I th- I think that the the never ending fight isn't really good and evil it's really just it's it's balance it's not the left and the right you know it's not the republican and the democrat you know it's not the dark and the light it's it's finding some sort of a gray area because that's really where we live isn't it i mean you know humans aren't perfect we can't be consistent you know we're we're always going to fluctuate we're always going to go kind of on ups and downs we're always going to kind of change our minds that's the point that's the beauty of life you can change your mind you can grow you can learn but at what point are we going to stop you know, literally or figuratively killing each other for our differences. I think that's a great way to end this. Yeah. That was beautiful. <laughs> I loved it. <sighs> How, uh, first off, I want to say thank you so much for this. This has been so much fun. Such a yeah. pleasure. We appreciate you. This is awesome. This thank is the you. damn good day this show. This has been a damn good day. How can people follow you in the journey? Yes, you can find me at, at looking for stuff on TikTok or Instagram. And if you want to have more of my recommendations and fun gossip, stuff told me on Instagram or stufftoldme.com. This is a damn good day to have a damn good day.